This leads right to the title. Embracing your divine royalty. I'm going to try to do something. If I make if I make the mistake of not completing it, uh, have grace. But I'm going to try to do this whole teaching. I'm going to try without elevating my voice. Some of y'all should be laughing at that. But I am going to try my best because I need you to know who you are. These things are not happening by chance. God wants a people to know that we are royalty. We are a royal priesthood. Now, there are stipulations that come with that. There are stipulations that come. I'd like for a moment before we move forward, if you're a visitor here for the first time, just raise your hand if you're here for the first time. Amen. We'll be sitting with you afterwards. Please give us some time to be, meet with you. Royalty does not have to be. I said I wasn't going to yell. <laughs> Royalty does not have to be vocalized. It is the moment you come in. It's your presence. Royalty has an aroma. When you come in, people know that you're in because the aroma of royalty has entered in. I'm going to try, guys. I'm going to succeed. Today, I want to delve into the depths of Scripture to explore this profound theme of royalty and kingship. But I can't speak royalty without priesthood. Because the word says we are a royal priesthood. There are stipulations in being royal. You want to write this down, those of you who are writing it down. You need to know that royalty does have this air, but this, these stipulations that must be followed because the royalty causes demonic entities to recognize who you are, where even death has to think twice about drawing close to you. Once you understand the stipulation, you'll start to see some, some things. There's power in understanding your identity. Sickness will think twice about jumping on you. Poverty will look the other way because royalty demands an atmosphere. I'll say it again. Royalty demands an atmosphere. When you hear people say, they say, they say the air, they speak about um, uh, understanding or they go into the whole area of I decree and declare. Decreeing and declaring comes from two things or two different endeavors. When you decree, you're a king, you're royalty. Royalty decrees. But when you say what? I decree and declare, a declaration comes from your priesthood. So as a priest and as a royalty, as royalty, as a king or a queen, you are emphasizing that which is already in you. You're saying, I declare and decree. See, here's the thing. We've been masters in praying as beggars. So we don't, we remove our identity in our prayer time because we beg God. And God says, I have made you my co-laborer. As a matter of fact, I walk in heaven with you. As a, ma 
As a matter of fact, I am and you are seated with me in heavenly places. Let's get to scripture. Ephesians 2, 6. We're going to start there. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. It reassures us of our exalted status as heirs to God's kingdom. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Meaning that while Jesus is sitting down in heaven in his, on his throne, we are there with him. We are seated in heavenly places while we're seated on earth. So right now where you're seated, your seat, where you're seated, does not remove the fact that you have authority from heaven. So here's what, in the spiritual realm, demons don't see where you're seated now on earth. The demonic sees where you're seated in heaven. Those entities are looking at the fact that you are, because they're not afraid of you, the person. They're afraid of who you are in Christ. They fear your authority in Christ Jesus. Who's with me so far? And that includes even the elements that Jesus died for. Jesus died on the cross so that what happens? So that we be saved. Everybody knows about the salvation part. But do you know that his death on the cross also granted us entry into places where people have contagious diseases and nothing would happen to you? That God will use you as his partner in the solution? That you're able to go places? Did you, did you ever hear in this gospel that the disciples were sick? Do you know they went to the most contagious places? You know, there's, leprosy is probably the most contagious disease. And they went into the caves where the lepers were and did not get sick because they were co-laboring with the king. They were moving in royalty and did not know it. So there's royalty right now that has been granted us in the kingdom that if we don't express it, we don't move in it, we don't realize that we're seated in heavenly places. But there are stipulations. What's expected of somebody who moves in royalty? Let's go there. Proverbs 8. Start there, 15 and 16. Proverbs 8, 15 and 16. This is what it tells us. Kings reign by 15, 16, because of me. Kings reign and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help. And nobles make righteous judgments. In other words, it is important to identify that part of being a king or royalty, there is an authority or wisdom that is granted. Rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead by my help and nobles make righteous judgments. Here we see true kingship. And true kingship is not merely about power and dominion. Here's the problem with what we've seen on television. We think being a king or having a kingdom is dominance. It is not to be dominant, but rather to be benevolent. As a king of a kingdom, you must think of those who are marginalized. 
You've got to come up, with a, come up with a game plan that allows people to survive. And after their survival, to get them to thrive. The goal ultimately is to get them to thrive. Survival means every day. I know you ask some people, Yo, how are you? I'm surviving. That's a problem. If you are always surviving, that means every day you're trying to push to something and you haven't realized what your position is. Your authority and your royalty gives you access to things that others who don't believe they have, you have access to that. Why? Because God will take away from someone who doesn't know how to steward and give it to someone who knows how to steward. Let me repeat that again. It's not conquering. We're not, he's not going to conquer her. What God does, he measures and says, you've been good stu- a good steward of that. You have not. I need that to grow. I love you. But I need you to be the steward of that. Because I gave you the little bit here and you made it work. Kingship is understanding, authority is understanding, royalty is understanding your environment and your atmosphere. You must know what it takes to be royal. You can't just say I'm royalty and then just say amen after somebody says it. It sounds good. But what makes you royal? Let's go to Proverbs 31. Probably one of the most clearest statements of royalty. As heirs to the kingdom, we are called to lead our lives with the guidance of divine wisdom, of course. But we, meet, we meet, need to make decisions that are aligned with his will for others. If your decision to do something only affects your house, that's a problem. Let me say that again. If your world is the only world that's okay and everybody else around you is in dire need or in distress, that means that your world is not a kingdom world. It's a dictatorship world. And because you're not partnering with anyone else, you're not looking to give to anyone. You're looking to build yourself up. And that is not a kingdom mentality. Proverbs 31. The saying of King Lemuel contains this message, which his mother taught him. His mother obviously was filled by the spirit of the Lord. This Proverbs was written by um, uh, Solomon, who, by the way, was filled with the spirit of God. And when he was writing this, it was based on wisdom about wisdom. Oh, my son, oh, son of my womb, oh, son of my vows. Do not waste your strength on women, on those who ruin kings. You can reverse that, by the way. That's not just, you can reverse that. You can put the other way around. We want to make sure that everybody's clear on that. It is not for kings, Olamuel, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol. For if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. Alcohol is for the dying and wine for those in bitter distress. Let them drink to forget their poverty and remember their troubles no more. Listen to this. You take this in application of royalty, and then you go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Go there with me. I need to show you that this is applicable to you if you're royalty. If you're not royalty, don't worry about it. 
If you're not royalty, you don't have to worry about this. This is for royal priesthood. Everything I'm teaching today is for royal priesthood. I'm not going to ask the question yet. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Hold on. So God is telling me that I'm royal. This is for people to understand what God is trying to say. If God is saying that you are royal, then any decree he has or any instructions he has for kings and queens in any testament, old, new, middle, whatever you want, that testament makes it clear that you have to be of sound mind for wisdom to be received. In other words, you have to care. I know we get to a place sometimes, I don't care about nobody. I, I just, I'm do me. I'm going to do me. I'm okay. I'm saved. I don't need to worry about anybody. I'm saved. I'm good. The moment you say, I'm saved and I don't care, you put yourself in a predicament. Here's the thing. There is this law of exchange that takes place. And that's why Jesus was trying so hard to keep everyone else that was around him saved or in, good, in a good place. Why? Because Peter had issues with John and James. And John and James had, Peter's, had issues with Peter. There was a problem there, guys. And it was a conflict. And that conflict, Jesus is trying to tell Peter, listen, whatever you wish for them, it's going to happen to you. You set the tone for your life on what you want to happen to them. Let me repeat that again. You got to catch what I'm saying. When you move in royalty and you have the wisdom of royalty, Whatever you desire for someone else, you just decreed for yourself what's going to happen to you. God forbid you do what they do, even for a second. There will be no need to look up evidence. They will go into the file of what you said. You didn't, you didn't catch what I said. There will be no need for the accuser to look for accusation. He will just go to the one who writes in the courtroom and say, can you repeat that again? What? I, look, look, this is, when, this is when the devil honors. Sounds crazy, right? This is when the devil honors. The devil honor that moment and say, repeat that. I don't need anything else. I want what you want for that person. Uh, okay. I don't need to come up with a list of things because you came up with it. And whatever you came up with, is what I'm going to use against that person. So, so give me your list. Because I'm going to present your list to the father. And the father will acknowledge you. Mind you, he doesn't call him father. He calls him the judge. The devil doesn't acknowledge the father. He acknowledges him as a judge. He has to. He's a, he's a prosecutor. Prosecutors still acknowledge the judge. So his prosecution is based on your accusation. He is the accuser in heaven, but the deceiver on earth. Y'all heard me say this before. He accuses, and he doesn't need what you wrote down. Wow. You want that to happen too? Completely off? Done? Out of here? Oh, and that too? Well, you did the same thing. Your honor. 
I will not add a thing. I can see the devil trying to be savvy in the courtroom. I will not add a thing. Whatever they want is what I want. That's why when Peter asked, how many times must I forgive? He said, I did seven times already. Come on, Jesus. Seven times. He goes, <laughs> 70 times seven. You haven't even gone halfway there. But then when we do something wrong, what are we quick to do? No, 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 seriously, seriously. We, we can answer this one. What are we quick to do? When we do something off. Uh, no, we do the, we got to do the face. Uh, uh, uh. Father, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I say it's not just asking for forgiveness. It is saying I repent, I repent, I repent. Repentance is the action of forgiveness. When you repent, you are moving in the area of forgiveness because repentance becomes more active than the forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. Did Jesus forgive us already? Yeah, I, long time ago, I used to always, I, I was one. I only speak based on my, my actions, right? Because... I was the one on the floor with the, with the real ugly face crying. Oh, forgive me. Anything. Back then, you go to the movies, it was bad. So everything was forgive me for everything, right? Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. What I realize is that I keep putting him back on the cross when I say, Lord, forgive me. Because he said I already did. I died for that forgiveness. What I want you to do is repent. Your repentance brings life to my forgiving you. Who's hearing me? So if you want to understand my forgiveness, just repent. Because my forgiveness is permanent throughout the nations, throughout generations. I died for generations to be forgiven. Even the ones who are not breathing yet are forgiven already. I just want them to repent. So a king must understand the fullness of repentance. And when I say king again, I'm including the queens. You must understand what that means. Because whatever measure you do with a person is the measure that will be unto you. I didn't make that up. It's in the word. Whatever measurement you do with someone, that will be the measurement. If you are someone who, who's forgiving, then you, when you do something wrong... That's going to be applied to you. Let's continue. If we understand this truth, then Psalm 72 kicks in. This all stems from David as a king. Because David, as a king, did not understand certain principles of being a king. Because David was a murderer. Can you imagine? We're still reading the books, the letters, the words of a murderer who's been redeemed. You got to put who's been redeemed in there at the end. Today, we read the moments that David 
had dark moments. His darkest moments, we read it as a, as a means of trying to get us out of a dark moment. That's over 4,000 years. That's a long time. And everyone uses his psalms. But yet he was in dark places when he wrote them. But God says, I will still use my son for generations. Because one thing that David did show was a heart for God. And God will always measure you based on the heart that you have for him. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there first. Verses 6 and 7. Ephesians 2, 6 and 7 reassures us of our exalted status as heirs to God's kingdom. This is what I started with. It's what I want to make sure is instilled. If we can continually know that while Jesus is in heaven, we walk with him, then whose character do we want to emulate and imitate? Romans 12, 2 says, do not imitate the things of this world. That means even in your transactions. We get mad. We get angry. Bingo, me right here. The key is, what is going to be the result of that? What are you going to do that's different from the rest of the world? Am I doing okay speaking low? Do you forgive me? Psalm 72, 1 and 2. Give your love of justice to the king, O God, and righteousness to the king's son. Help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. This passage obviously reminds us that our royal heritage comes with a responsibility to uphold justice. Justice and righteousness. It doesn't mean to be like Paul when he was Saul. Because Paul, when he was Saul, was living, living a life of righteousness with a sword chopping Christians' heads off. Let me repeat that again. You can be so Christ-driven that you don't realize when you're driving the sword in someone. There are things that we need to realize that God will always present to us moments where he wants to see him through us. Part of being a royal steward of the kingdom is understanding that when those moments are presented where you're coming and you have the ability to chop someone's head off. Because we're talking about truth now, right? All right, let me back up. Acts chapter 9 gives us an indication of how, and even Acts chapter 7, gives us an indication of how Paul was when he was Saul, right? It shows us that that man, for the love of God, let's not get it twisted. As a Pharisee, he thought that what he was doing was right. He was killing people, arresting them, because he, he was doing it for the, in the name of God. Like, I'm sure he was surprised when he got knocked off the horse. Like, why? I'm doing your, God, I'm doing what you call me to do. I'm getting rid of, the, getting rid of all the heathens. Because the Christian community to him was in opposition of his kingdom, of God's kingdom. 
So he was persecuting the very ones that God was lifting up. And that's why he had to confront him on the road. And sometimes your confrontation on the road is not you getting knocked off a horse, a physical horse. Sometimes you get knocked off a horse because you're on your way to do something that's going to harm generations. This thing with Saul was not just about the individuals in that season or in, the, in that time frame. He was going out to persecute us today. If Saul would have never stopped and that would have been the, the move, we would have a problem today being believers. God had to stop and it took God. It wasn't even somebody else. It wasn't any of the other disciples. It definitely wasn't Peter. That would have been a rumble in the jungle. But it was God himself who had to knock him off the horse and say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? What? And look what he does. He removes his eyesight so that he can see. Sometimes we need to be removed of our eyesight so that we can see. But I thought I saw better. No, you saw worse. Now God removes your ability to see so that you can see the truth. And three days he was blind. Yes, Saul was blind for three days. <laughs> and you know what's crazy? His blindness for three days helped him to see what was to come. But he still had a lot of habits that needed to be dealt with. Did you know even after those three days, God didn't tell him to go preach immediately after that. Because sometimes we need development. How many, how many people know about development? Development. We need to be developed. Sometimes because of our zeal of being blind and blinded, I had, I had an encounter with God. He knocked me off my horse. Now I'm going to go and preach to the whole universe. That's dangerous. And so what happens is if there's no development, you have now a situation that rises up like in Acts chapter 18. Acts 18 speaks of this guy by the name of Apollos, who, by the way, was a very intelligent man. But he was mixed up in his theology. And he ended up having a group of people. Now, look at this. Look how God fixes things. Saul, who became Paul, who was knocked off his horse, who was told you're not doing it the right way, now has an encounter with Apollos years later. Apollos is now preaching to, to all these people, but he's giving them a John the Baptist version of the, the gospel. John the Baptist had been dead for years, but yet John the Baptist's preaching or teaching was still around. And God had to use Saul, Paul, to come against Apollos, or even better than that, to then remove those who were indoctrinated the wrong way to give them the right teaching. What is God doing in this generation? He's changing our vernacular. He's changing our vernacular. We've gotten so used to certain things that people say it over and over again. You know, being away, going, meeting with other ministers and, and listening to the prayer. Because one thing I love about ministers coming together to pray, you get to hear their time with God. Y'all didn't catch that. 
I didn't say you get to experience. You get to hear their time with God. Their time with God is coming out of their mouth. They're literally letting you know, letting you in on their personal private time. Because you can't stop a pregnancy from showing. Even when you got pregnant in private. Some of y'all caught it. Some of y'all didn't. In your private moments, you'll understand that God will always exonerate you in public because of your private moments. If you don't have private moments with God, you will see that you'll, you'll be stillborn. There will be nothing there. You tell everybody you're pregnant, you're not. Flat abs. <laughs> I'm pregnant, though. Or you try to push it out. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. You try to push it out because you want people to know you're pregnant and you have nothing there. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, we're going to continue this. Proverbs 31. 31.8. I never forget this proverb because it's my birthday. 31.8. Proverbs 31.8 gives us a glimpse of understanding why we are considered royalty. The royalty is not the adornment, it's not the crowns, it's not the outfit, it's not looking like you're royal. That's what the world would want. Royalty comes with this right here. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. That's royalty. That's royal priesthood. Because there are people who can't speak for themselves. And we got to step up for them. Be their voice. And I'm not talking about be their voice and be a gangster at it. Mm. Can I talk about that for a minute? But then there are those that will actually talk to you, right? And they'll give you advice and be like, this is what you need to do. This is how I, this is how I used to do it back in the days. How you do what back in the days? How you knock somebody out? You talking about that being that? Well, they, I'm, I'm for the underdog. You're for the underdog for what? What is your reason for being for the underdog? Because your heart will be the area that's important. You know, I, w- I will tell you that there are things that you, you want to listen to and you want to hear. Oh, by the way, I was blessed again by the podcast. Somebody say amen. There was something she said, or they said, that blessed me. By the way, you get to hear the fragments and the stuff of heaven within the conversation, by the way. God just tossing stuff in there. But there was one thing you guys said that really sticks out. Talks about how the heart speaks louder, right? They said, it's not so much the action taken. I'm not, if, you want, if you want to know what I'm talking about, just listen to the podcast, all right? But there's something she said in there, which mind you, I had this prepared before that podcast. Can, can, I, can, I, can, I, be, can I be open? Because the podcast is for everybody here, right? When you were talking about alcohol, this was already done. I had done this for weeks. In other words... When you tell me about that and you're going through it, I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus, I pray that I'm, th- I'm, I'm going I'm to preach on this. I pray she don't think I'm going because based on what she said, because that's what the devil likes doing. 
The devil wants to make us think that the reason why I come up here is because I'm listening to all your conversations and going, yeah, I'm going to put that in there too. I'm going to do, do that one as well. No, it's just that God is speaking in that season. And when she was talking about alcohol, I said, royalty, kingship, Proverbs 31. That's what I just finished reading. It is not for kings, all them well, to guzzle wine. Rulers should not crave alcohol, right? For if they drink, they may forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. There's a reason why. And you were talking about the heart condition. Because you weren't there. You didn't want to go there to get drunk. It was, it was not a drunk moment. It wasn't like, I'm going to just drink to, uh. no, it was, this is what I do. To ease up a little bit, right? But it's so interesting because that's the area God said to you, I need you to pull away from that because God is developing your royalty. But there's nothing wrong with doing, doing this and doing that. Listen, each one of you are going to have your moment because graduation means leaving things behind. It's not a hell thing. It's a graduation thing. Let me be clear on that. And I'm not endorsing. What I'm saying to you is that as you graduate, certain things taste different. Wow. Just don't want I don't feel like doing it. Because the heart condition becomes the taste bud of the person. Oh, that's so good. I love that. The heart condition becomes your taste bud. Woo, that's good. That just came right now, lightning. Right now, boom. And, and, and it's so awesome because once you graduate, you start seeing the signs of the graduation. You don't like certain things. You don't want to look at certain things. You want to hear certain things. And it's not, oh, everybody who listens to that is going to hell. No, we don't preach that here. But what we will preach is the conditions of the heart as you grow. Because she was able to speak on that based on where she is now. You couldn't talk to her months ago about that. I'm free to speak. It's, it's on the pod. Just take a look. If you understand that people graduate, our language changes while we graduate. We grow up. We don't go Google Gaga anymore. We speak. So the person I spoke to last year is not the person I speak to now. We got to stop labeling people based on their mistakes and also understand that in our labeling people, we end up labeling ourselves. We want people to look at us different. I'm older now. Stop calling me Izzy. But you, you acting like Izzy. What will change their lingo will be their changing of how you see. I'm looking at you differently now. So now I speak about you differently. What is a transaction? To be royal is to be of sound mind. You need the mind of Christ. You need to be able to speak a thing that's going to bless not just you, but that person. You need to think twice about what comes out your mouth. You got to know that your damage is collateral. If I, if I throw this at you, there's collateral damage. If I'm doing it just for me, like I want to do an example of playing football, just, but if I throw it at you and you don't know, it could harm you. Listen, daily bread is not just daily bread. If you throw stale bread, it's a rock. You can't keep thinking that bread, just because you threw bread, that that bread is going to sustain. You got to know the condition of the bread. 
When did the, when that bread come out? And sometimes you don't even got to tell the person when the bread came out because of the, well, that smelled good. And they're going to want to eat and not be forced to eat. Oh, Jesus. I can have a basket full of rocks, I mean, bread, and start throwing the bread at you and then claiming myself to be generous. Tell people, you know, I gave a lot of bread out. I was so generous and loving. I helped everybody. All this bread, but this bread, how how old was this bread? Is this bread healthy? Am I tossing it out to harm or, or to help? Is anybody still with me here today? Let's continue. Revelation. Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Thank you, Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. This reaffirms our royal priesthood. The very last book, what we call the last book of the Bible, which by the way, for those who don't know, this has been the debate between theologians, but the one thing they do agree on is that Revelation and John were written around the same time. Here's the other thing. Those who really dive in deeper find out that Revelation was written before John. Because the pattern of John comes out of Revelation. That's a whole other class. Ooh, I was going to enter into that one. Slow down. Slow down. All right, here we go. (laughs) Jesus. Here we go. It says here, and from Jesus Christ, he is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead and the rule of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God his Father. All glory and power to him forever and ever. In other words, it's not a kingdom. It's not a priest's priestly uh, um, order for kings. It's a kingdom filled with priests. It is a kingdom of priests. I don't know if you understand the difference. Your royalty is injected with priesthood. That brings your moral standard with the wisdom. So now you're able to determine what's right and what's wrong. That's why when you become a man of God, that's why when the Spirit of God... That's why when the Spirit of God resides in you, some of you just need to wave at me or you're doing it again. When the Spirit of God resides in you, you don't have to force it. You should be mad with what I just said right now. No one, no one stopped me? Have, not, have I not taught the church about calling the Spirit it? Nobody stopped me. I could have kept on going. Even in that, our vernacular needs to change. As we grow up, we realize Jesus never made a mistake. John 14, John 16. He never made a mistake in calling the Holy Spirit it. He called him him. And he resides in us. And we understand who we are because of him. 
the more we understand him in us, the more we understand us in him. It's royalty. Royalty means I know who my father is. And the only thing that's going to allow you to know who your father is, is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Can I, can I put it in this way? Look at the order. Holy Spirit tells me who Jesus is. Jesus, his name leads me to the Father. Let me say that again. Without Holy Spirit, I won't know Jesus. You can walk with Jesus and not know him. Uh, we taught that. Luke 24. Walk to a mouse. Those two men. They were walking with Jesus for seven miles. Seven miles is a long time. It's pretty far. Seven miles is far, guys. They're walking with Jesus because back then they didn't have the buggy and the, none of that. They just, just walking. You're walking with Jesus for seven miles. And those seven miles, walking with that much authority and power, with the creator of the universe, you don't know who he is. You know when they found out who he was? When it was revealed to them by fresh bread being broken. When the bread was broken in front of them, they said, oh, it's him. And then he disappears. Like the moment he now, they now know who he is, he disappears. But he doesn't disappear. He resides in them. It's almost, no, this is good, this is good. So, so, so watch this. This is good. The bread breaks. And the moment the bread breaks, you think he disappeared to go somewhere else. No. He went in them. You figured it out. Because by way of Holy Spirit, Jesus is able to reside in all of us. The greatest formula, this is the formula that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit had to come up with all three of them was based on what was said in Genesis 1.26. Let us create them in our image. Was it talking to the angels? And we'd have to honor the angels like that he was talking to himself because he doesn't know loneliness God has never been <laughs> God has never been alone he doesn't know loneliness because he's always been with himself he's never had a conversation without speaking to someone because he's always been speaking to someone when he spoke to himself. So his royalty comes from a place of plurality. He is not, that's why he can never be a dictator. Because he doesn't make decisions on his own. His decisions are based on what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And each one of them are saying, what do you think? What do you think? They all answer at the same time. This is what we think. In conclusion, my beloved flow family, let's embrace our divine royalty with humility, gratitude, and a deep sense of purpose. Let us lead our lives with wisdom. Wisdom, wisdom. Everybody, everybody say wisdom. wisdom. I need wisdom. I need Sophia. You know what Sophia is? Sophia is wisdom. 
Sophia means wisdom. I need Sophia. That's why the term philosophy is the study of wisdom. I need justice and righteousness. Following Following the example set forth by our heavenly king, Jesus Christ. And may our actions and words, may our actions and words, not words and actions, may our actions first and words testify to the incredible wealth of God's grace and kindness, drawing others into the glorious kingdom of God. You want to be an evangelist, live your life according to the will of the Father. You don't need a big old Bible. By the way, I like dressing like this. It's not because I believe that the only way to get to the Father is by dressing this way. I want to make that clear. One day you're going to see me with Tim's jeans and, and uh, yeah, I can't, I'm going to age, my, age myself. I, I was about to say Obama and, or sheepskin. Oh, Jesus, sheepskin. Who, who knows about that? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all here know what I'm talking about. One day I'm going to come through just like that. Hat, hat to the back. She said, never, ever, ever. One day I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to come in and be like, let's do this right here. This here good thing with Jesus. You know why? Because if you look around right now, look at the mosaic of God in all of us. Look around. Just, just take, take a moment. Peek at each other. Look around. Not just in race. Not just in language. Not just in clothing. I mean, he got a scully. I'm going to call you out. You got a scully. And I'm in a suit and we're here worshiping the same God. It looks good, by the way. This guy's brilliant. If you only see by, by way of external, you miss out on your bread from him. Because he has something to give. And what he has to give is major. God is in the business of us getting to know each other and not assuming things about each other. You want to find out about me? Come talk to me. Well, talk to me. I heard he went to prison and he was three and a half years in prison. Come see me. I'll tell you a little bit about it. You know why? Because that story, if not going to the source, turns into something else. Royalty means understanding the temperature of the people. We can't get caught up with what other people are saying. And you know what? If somebody does come to you and talk, talk to you about anybody, just go, did you tell him? But did you tell her? Did you let her know? Did you let him know? Can y'all do that? Can this church do that? Can we, can we have a, a good habit of doing that? Raise your hands if you, you, you want to be a part of that right there. Just tell somebody, you know... I understand. You're probably right. You're probably right. He's he probably messed up. But did you tell him? Because that's going to be the case. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See, that works. I think that's the best way to do it, sweetheart, because I'm always looking at you. Y'all don't know what she did back there, but it was, it was a cue. And the cue is...
Because the truth is, we need that guidance. All of us need that. There is no royalty in the Bible without a council. The Bible always had some people to counsel. In, in royalty, you always had a, a, a counseling of people that would counsel you. And make sure your counsel is mature and immature. What? Immaturity too? Yep. Because sometimes those who don't know too much may know something that the one that knows too much will not even think about. You need balance. You need both. You need those who are, you know, that's why Jesus had a nice set of 12. Some were idiots and some were idiots. You need, you need to understand that balance. Sometimes the person who doesn't really, who, who hasn't been so structured all their lives may have the idea to change a generation. So you need that balance. And I believe that balance is necessary today in royalty. Last but not least, last, I promise, this is really the last. When you think about how it is that a group of people when they're all immature, are your counsel what it can do? There was a, it's a story in the Bible. There was a guy by the name of Rehoboth or Rehoboam and Jeroboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon and Jeroboam was the servant of Solomon. Rehoboam, after Solomon dies, Rehoboam did not inherit the counsel of his father, because they were all old fogies. Y'all too old. No. He surrounded himself with familiar people. Rehoboam surrounded himself with his friends, his friends he grew up with, the ones he did what he did with, right? He said, I want y'all to be my counsel. And what happens? Tax season came. Tax season does something. Y'all know. So tax season comes and the, the, uh, the council of Solomon comes to, to, to Rehoboam and says, listen, easy. Don't treat the people so harsh. Be, be lighter than your father. Become better than your father in that area. He went to his council of youngsters and said, this is what, they, this is what these guys told me. They told me, no, no, no. They said, what? They're going to think you're a wimp. They're going to abuse you. You need to make sure that you wrap them around your finger. You, you make it worse for them. Well, you know what that did, folks? Rehoboam lost his kingdom to Jeroboam. Ten tribes went with Jeroboam because he listened to wrong counsel. When you are in royalty, you make sure you listen to good counsel. Please stand.